Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with David Shar about burnout, meaningful work, and creating a positive organizational culture in a time of crisis. David Shar, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. It's so great to be here, virtually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting time, but it's great that we have the ability to connect this way, to have great, interesting discussions about important topics. So I really do appreciate you being willing to take the time out of your busy schedule to come and, and chat with me and share some of your insights and wisdom with the Human Capital Innovations listeners. I just want to start off with a brief bio for David. Uh, David is the founder of Illuminate PMC. He's a keynote speaker, a consultant, a a trainer specializing in helping organizations improve their leadership and culture, combat burnout, and design meaningful work. David combines decades of leadership experience with the latest psychological research to help his clients attract, retain, and motivate top talent. As a scientist, practitioner, translator, David makes leadership theory and business uh, psychology accessible, implementable, and fun. Uh, And as a fellow uh, scholar practitioner, um, I I think I take a very similar orientation to all these types of things as you do. And I just want to say how how, uh, important I feel that is, um, that we can be data-driven in what we offer um, to help organizations. And pretty much everything that you do is right in line with the types of things that I um, spend tons of time thinking about, you know, helping create meaningful work, helping people, helping create uh, uh, effective and sustainable, positive organizational culture. All of these types of things are what the organizations today need um, that leaders are grappling with. And and I really look forward to having the chance to discuss uh, these topics with you. Yeah, it's interesting that the, I just came across an article the other day uh, that talked about the importance of um, those scientist practitioners. People, uh, they referred to people like us as the in-betweeners, um, yeah. but people who have a foot in each door, that, that they're in the um, world of academia, but they're also in the quote-unquote real world, in the trenches, um, because there is such a knowledge gap there. Um, and the author of the article, I, I uh, don't recall who the author is offhand, but um, he even referred to, he, he said 99% of the answers are there in the research already. They've been studied, they've been, um, they've been torn apart and put back together, uh, but practitioners in the field are struggling with these things and they think that they're such unique issues. Uh, they don't realize that there are answers out there. And, and so 
Um, and then, you know, research on the other hand, a lot of times um, they, they're, they're formulating questions that are not necessarily even the questions that the practitioners really need to answer, right? It's like yeah. we're just we're just sort of discovering things for scientific discovery and, and not really thinking about the practicality of it. Yeah, yeah. So there's certainly a lot of esoteric research out there um, that is scientifically valuable, but isn't particularly practical right, <laughs> in, right. in, uh, in the day-to-day, -day, right? And so I think that's what you're speaking to. And so I love how you frame yourself, you know, as this in-betweener, as a scientist, practitioner, translator, because there definitely is a necessity. There is a role for that um, yeah. uh, to be to be able to to, to bridge the divide, uh, so to speak. Um, and, and like I said, uh, you know, organizational culture, um, meaningful work. These are the types of things that organizations are grappling with um, normally. But I think it's an even heightened um, with heightened intensity now that we're in a pandemic world where so many people are either out of jobs or they're, they're still working, but they're in this new reality of working from home, virtual working, endless Zoom meetings, um, uh, and all of the, the potential burnout and fatigue and anxiety and stress that's associated with all of that. Uh, right. So those are the types of things we get to discuss today. Right, right. And, and even further, now being virtual, the question about um, how, do, how do you engage people virtually when so often in practice, um, very well-intentioned uh, individuals within leadership or HR are, are doing things like they're putting on pizza parties and and get bring in the, your baby picture and well, guess who's you know? And they're doing very uh, superficial things to engage their people or motivate their people. And and the question is now you don't have everybody, you don't have a break room. So how do you, how do you yeah. do that? And I think. Yeah. I think you'd probably agree that we got to go a little bit deeper <laughs> in order yep. to do that, uh, both virtually and, and uh, in the actual office setting. To start things off today, uh, perhaps we can, we can start with the idea of burnout. Um, and maybe if you can define for the listeners what burnout, is. I mean, we know what burnout is, but um, just to define a bit what burnout looks like today in this COVID world and what we can do to prevent uh, burnout and how we can build resilience towards burnout prevention. Right. So I think it, it's it's really interesting when COVID hit. Um, I'm like, oh my god, everybody's burning out. But of course, I study burnout. I work with organizations on burnout. So how much of it is that when you're a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail? <laughs> you know, am I just calling this burnout? But it, but when you look at uh, one of the basic models for understanding burnout is the demand control support model, right? And when you when you look at that model, what it what it argues is that when demand goes up, a sense of control goes down, and a sense of having support goes down. That's when you inevitably fall into burnout. And what you what you see in the world right now is that demand has gone up for everyone. Some people are struggling because now they're unemployed and while burnout is is technically only um, defined as a work issue I would argue that maybe we can stretch it to a lack of work you know we say that should be your full-time job when you're unemployed finding employment that even that um, is a form of work 
Um, but but we have this this demand issue. How do salespeople sell in this new environment, right? Um, how do people work from home and telework for the first time in their career? Try to figure all that out. I have a father-in-law. My father-in-law is is um, rounding seventy, and um, he is teleworking for the first time in his life. Has no idea what to do with all this technology. His, his his mental demand, cognitive demand is, is out of this world. Like his job just became so much harder. And then when you look at things like control, when we watch the politicians and the doctors and everybody else, all the, all the, um, uh, all the people on television, they, they are not only contradicting each other, but they're contradicting themselves, you know, in, within, within a sentence, they contradict themselves. So we all have this sense of a loss of control. I do a ton of speaking at um, associations, conferences, and things like that. And so I'm still being booked for conferences for November, but everybody needs to hustle and figure out a contingency plan too, because what happens if that can't happen? So we have this loss of control, demand is through the roof, and then support, we don't have the physical uh, connection that, that we typically rely on. And so what does support look like, you know? Um, and a lot of us have figured out what to do about that in terms of these Zoom interactions and things, but they, even that, it seems to be missing um, something so crucial for what we need. Yeah, you, I mean, you hit on all the uncertainty around all of this. I've been, I'm in the same boat, you know, so many different um, places where I was planning on traveling and speaking and, and some of that's gone virtual. Some of it's just gotten canceled. Um, workers are are trying to find ways to connect and stay, um, you know, in a, in a to be able to provide social support for each other while also doing their work. And it's just uh, most most of us have just never been in that environment before. Um, you know, maybe partially, but not completely, uh, like we are right now. And there's just no doubt about it. It's just a tough tough thing. Um, so maybe bridging this idea of burnout, um, with, well, maybe I'll also state, um, just real quickly, there's actually already emerging research about just zoom burnout, right? So we have general burnout, but uh, you know, I'm sure, uh, better than I do about the role of all these zoom meetings or, you know, I say zoom as a catch all, you know, whether it's teams or whatever virtual meetings, but all these virtual meetings. Uh, are causing kind of this different type of um, fatigue and burnout that maybe we haven't experienced before. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, you know, I I don't know exactly what it is that causes the Zoom fatigue, but um, I've heard arguments that first of all, there's this. Uh, uh, so when I when I'm doing um, uh, conducting webinars and things like that. I will be on there and afterwards I will just feel exhausted. And I think part of it is that you have your creative mind, you know, the, the piece that's putting together this presentation and then you couple it with all of the technical stuff. And you have to be really technical with Zoom um, if you want to be engaging with Zoom, right? Or, or any, of these, any of these different models. And I think it's weighing all of these things and um when you're on stage or when you're in a meeting or when you're when you're out there there's so much that we take for granted in terms of transferring our energy right our energy is in the room and we feed off each other's energy 
in, in, uh, in a Zoom sort of setting, you have to be extra energetic to get that out there. To, to, it, otherwise, it doesn't, it doesn't translate. Um, I talk about, um, you know, uh, we take for granted walking through an open office and just saying to, um, you know, Bill in accounting, Bill, how's your mom doing? You know, and, and Bill feeling like he has that support, you know, you're checking in. Um, with Zoom, we don't have that. So we have to be so much more purposeful with those things. We have to set aside some time beforehand for the small talk and things like that. And then you couple all this with all the technical stuff and people losing their Wi-Fi access and kids running in the room and, and things like that. I think it's just, I think it's just, it, it overloads us. Yeah, I, I like the term overloading. Um, I think that's right. And, you know, on the one hand, I like Zoom meetings because, you know, I can, especially if I'm, I tend to be kind of a listener in meetings anyways, like I'll contribute when necessary, but I like to observe and listen. Yeah. And I feel like I can do that a lot of times, especially in meetings with lots of people on Zoom where I can just kind of be, fade into the background. I can just yeah. listen and observe. Um, so to a certain extent, it's nice for that. Um, but to your point, if I want to interject and I want to provide comment uh, or I want to try to persuade or influence someone towards my thinking, that's a lot harder um, in this environment than it was previously, I think. And knowing that other people could be distracted, um, you know, I, I don't have the ability to make eye contact, look someone in the eye, make sure I have their attention. Um, right. To move forward so I, I do think the intentionality of everything you're talking about is really important and maybe just making sure that we have the opportunity to take breaks um, walk around stretch out a little bit um, you know those types of things are probably important to avoid the impacts of, of zoom fatigue and and some of this this type of burnout that we're worried about Now, perhaps shifting gears slightly, um, though it's still relevant to what we've been discussing, um, why do you feel like it's so important for people to find meaning in their work? Uh, you know, so often, especially now, in times of crisis, we're worried about our paycheck, we're worried about making sure that we can make ends meet, um, you know, keep a roof over our head, feed, feed our family, those types of things. Those are important, they've always been important. Um, but we know in the research that meaningful work really plays a much bigger role for most people most of the time. So, so, um, so how, how do we do that? Why is it important for organizations to create um, a meaningful and work environment, a purpose-driven environment where people can, can uh, tap into to their purpose and their meaning in their work? Yeah, so I think, I think everything we do to motivate our employees uh, it's kind of making up for a lack of meaningfulness in the work. If you create meaningful work, then all of those other things, those tricks to sort of pull people in and motivate them, it's almost unnecessary if people find work as their calling, right? And that goes all the way back to the church where we thought of the church as a calling and then it became expanded to, well, why can't I as the cobbler why can't that be my calling? How can that, uh, why can't that be how I serve my mission? So um, there's a, it, it sounds a lot like a joke, but um, I once took a week of my life 
and sat down with a rabbi, a priest, a minister, and an imam, and asked them, what's the purpose of all this, right? And so you don't have to be religious or um, even believe in God to, um, to, to you know, have the sense of meaning, but these are people who their careers, for lack of a better word, are focused on things like this. So I asked them, what, what is the purpose of this? What is all this meaning? And everybody across the board talked about this individual mission, right? That, that we each have sort of this individual mission, um, this individual calling that we're trying to, um, uh, that we're trying to accomplish before in our limited time here. And what always saddened me was that so many of us seem to clock into work and out of life simultaneously. It's like work as a means to an end. And when you do that at your job where you are working 40, 50, 60, sometimes hours a week, what is left? And I think that as so many of us, what we do is we go to work, we are there to make a paycheck, you know, we're not finding anything extra in it. And then we go home and we choose our drug of choice, sometimes illicit drugs, sometimes alcohol, sometimes food, sometimes television, whatever it is, just to numb our mind. And we go to sleep and we do it all again. And all of this, what, to fund our weekend? And it just seems like such a miserable existence to me. And I would argue that it's so connected with the depression and anxiety and all the things that, that plague our society because we're not finding a deeper meaning in our work. However, show me a business that doesn't have a deeper meaning, that doesn't, that doesn't serve somebody. And I'll show you a bankrupt business. In order to be in business, we have, to, we have to fulfill a need. So I think it's really important for people to find a business that connects with their values. And I think it's very important for organizations to have values that are not just, you know, as we always say, written on a wall, that are actually lived values. And to find people who connect with those values, that personal values and the organizational values connect. And for people to work within the, these organizations and fulfill whatever they, they deem as their personal mission at work. And when we do that, then it keeps us driven. It keeps us feeling like we're living a meaningful life. And a meaningful life often is, is defined as, you know, Lips Worsma, one of the, one of the leading um, scholars in meaningful work, talks about meaningfulness being about us, you know, the, about us and about the other, right? About the self and the other and how we find a balance where we're doing for ourselves. And that's career development and that's getting paid and that's all of these things that we have these selfish pursuits and that is perfectly fine and important to have those, but also that we're focused on the other. And when we're focused on the other at work, then that creates an environment that's more positive for everybody. Um, not just ourselves, and creates work where if everybody, you know, they say about marriage, when, when the, the two spouses are all about giving to each other, that's what creates a stronger bond. You can do so much more when everybody is there for the deeper, for the deeper mission. So I think there's a lot of personal value and a lot of organizational value to finding meaningful meaning in your work, finding meaningful work and then finding meaning in that work. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love everything you said, and I completely agree. Uh, I, I think it's so important. We, we so often just get wrapped up in the daily grind, whether we're an organizational leader caught up in the daily grind of running the business, um, or we're, you know, in our personal lives, the daily grind of getting to work, making the money so we can, you know, uh, 
like you said, live the weekend, um, we, we all have a tendency to get caught up into that cycle unless we interrupt it. And one of the ways we interrupt it is, like you said, simply looking for opportunities to find value congruence between what's important to us and the place that we spend so much of our time, so much of our life, um, when we can align purpose, when we can align values, uh, that gives us an opportunity to stave off burnout and, and uh, find life satisfaction, not just job satisfaction, right? right? Um, and I perhaps we'll end with this, like to me, this seems like extra important right now um, in the COVID environment where people are working virtually, they're self-isolated, they're socially isolated. Um, we have so much stress and anxiety. Uh, we can't escape, you know, our home. <laughs> um, and so, and, and our work-life balance perhaps is getting muddled because everything just bleeds together. So how, maybe a couple suggestions that you might have for organizations that are trying to help, um, help lead with purpose and, and help create environments of meaningful work in this environment. Yeah, I think, I think you're exactly right. I mean, we are stuck and we start feeling um, worse than everything else we talked about. We start experiencing this learned helplessness, right? This, this um, major indicator of, of depression, right? That learned helplessness that no matter what we do, nothing, uh, nothing changes. We're not, we're not in control of our own destiny. And that, that's very scary because no matter what we were doing before all this, now it's been interrupted and we're suddenly in a completely different life. I think organizations need to be um, connecting with their, with their individual uh, employees and supporting them in every way, both emotional um, support and also giving them that tactical support with their um, uh, helping them uh, help guide them through this new normal right now. Um, on top of all of that, I think that organizations, this is a great time for organizations to look back at their culture and their policies and really, really test them to figure out what is, you know, I, I talk a lot about um, vestigial structures. You know, in biology, we talk about vestigial structures that we have this uh, wisdom teeth, right? That don't even fit in our skulls anymore. And so they're still there just because they've hung around and now they cause us pain and trips to the dentist. Um, how many of your policies are vestigial policies, right? So, so many of us are discovering for the first time that telework actually works, but we've been holding back. Why? Because telework was never an option. It, it never could happen when we didn't have the internet and laptops and smartphones and all these things. Now we have all these things and we're just holding on to that. So I think this is a great time for organizations to look and figure out what boundaries they are putting up, uh, preventing their people from doing the work that they're so passionate about doing, the work that they're there to do. I don't think it's a coincidence that, that um, uh, jobs with the most objectively meaningful jobs, right? So we're talking about nurses and social workers and teachers. Those are the people who experience burnout first, right? And, and in higher numbers. Why? Because they come in with this mission, with this, they're, they're there with a purpose. And then what happens? The bureaucracy, the interpersonal conflict, the vestigial policies, everything is thrown up, these boundaries standing between them and the work that they're so passionate about. 
And so as employers, the number one thing I think we can do is start to look at these policies and procedures and, and, and our culture, our unwritten policies, and start to, to question everything and remove uh, the things that are not necessary. But I love that response. And, and uh, I would just encourage everyone um, listening, whether you're a leader or you're, you're you know, anywhere in the organizational structure, you're just trying to figure out how to do work in a, in a way that's more sustainable. Consider your own values, consider your organization's values, consider how you can better align those. Uh, think about your own purpose. Think what, think about your own calling, your own mission, your own, you know, what, what really gets you up in the morning and find ways to build that into what you do every day with, with your work. And when we can do that, it becomes more sustainable and we can find more peace and happiness and joy in our life. David, it has been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, I've really enjoyed this a lot and we haven't had enough time to go into as much depth as I would love to do. Um, perhaps I can have you back at some future point and we That'd can continue great. the discussion. Yeah. As we close off today, would you mind just taking a moment and um, sharing with listeners how they can get in touch with you, how they can find out more about your work uh, and your business? Yeah. So they can find me at illuminatepmc.com. That's PMC as in performance management consultants.com. Um, and I'm also a LinkedIn junkie. So uh, very active on LinkedIn um, and love to continue the conversation there. So it's linkedin.com slash IN, I guess, slash David Shar. They could just search David Shar in LinkedIn. Thank awesome. you so much for this opportunity. This is, this is great. Love speaking with you. Wonderful. Well, it's been a pleasure. Um, I encourage listeners to go, um, uh, go find you and, and uh, find ways that they can interact with you. Um, it's been a pleasure talking with you and I hope you have a great week. You too. Thanks Bye -bye. so much. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.